it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Math was never our strong suit, but breaking down Ohio State football is. Sit back and join us for Buckeye Grove Instant Access, part of the Unscripted Ohio Podcast Network. You can do it! Brought to you by BuckeyeGrove.com. Postgame thoughts, immediate analysis, and much, much more to put the big game into perspective. Without any further delay of game, here's your host, Kevin New. Kevin, God Hey, welcome to the BIA Podcast. I am your host, Kevin Noon, and I'm glad you are joining us here on a Monday afternoon. We will talk about the week that was in college football here in a few minutes, but some news came out earlier today in terms of Ohio State's schedule. We've already known the schedule in terms of who Ohio State will be playing in its eight regular season games, but we have TV times officially on two of them, and truthfully, We know a third one as well, but let's start with the two that were announced today. And we all knew that the Nebraska game was going to be a 12 p.m. game on Fox at home, Ohio Stadium, uh, with a 10 a.m. pregame show starting the big noon kickoff show. Urban Meyer and the rest of the gang will be on campus. But, you know, that's been a poorly kept secret. They've been announcing that one here for a while And then as for the second game, I think we all knew that one as well. And that's going to be Ohio State-Michigan, which will also be a 12 o'clock game at Ohio Stadium to wrap up the season on December 12th. Now as for the third game, not a Fox game, hasn't been announced officially, but our friends over at Blue White Illustrated, the Penn State site of the Rivals.com network, has announced that the Ohio State-Penn State game will be a primetime game, 7.30 on ABC. Now, that should not come as a surprise. Halloween night, it will not be a whiteout unless all of the cutouts that they have there are in white uniforms or something of that nature. But it is, you know, it's been since 2012 since there's not been a whiteout at Penn State for the Ohio State game. So that really shouldn't come as a surprise, but that was not part of the university release that came out today or the network release because everything seemed to be coming from Fox, ABC, ESPN, that, you know, that group will have its own release. You know, I don't know when we will hear that for sure, but I I wouldn't expect them to drag that on too long. Primetime games like that generally don't sit as a surprise uh, yeah, there's just no reason to do that. So I think we'll know that. But what about the rest of the schedule? Well, we're going to have to wait. I have some ideas of what might be going on. 
Uh, I'm talking about that over at the Horseshoe Lounge over at BuckeyeGrove.com. If you're not a member, now is a great time to get on board. We're going to be running a tremendous promo coming up here soon. But if you come on board now and you shoot me an email at Kevin at BuckeyeGrove.com, I'll, I'll, I'll take care of you. I'll take care of you. But um, as for a couple of things I think that I've mentioned over there, year in and year out, as part of the Big Ten Network Charter, I don't know if they're going to call it a charter per se, but as part of that deal, teams have to play two games on BTN. One non-con and one conference game. There are no non-conference games this year, so we don't know if that's going to be just taken down to one or if they're still going to try to play two. Unsure at this point. But once we get past the first two weeks, Ohio State goes into a little bit of a layup mode with Rutgers and Maryland. One or both of those games, I believe, will be on BTN. It just, it is what it is. Get it out of the way. It's Rutgers and Maryland. So one or both, BTN. I think it just really depends on what the rules are for the conference-owned channel, for what what they're going to make teams do. On, honestly, they're not going to make Ohio State play more games on BTN than anybody else because it just doesn't make sense. I mean, yeah, it'd be great. Um, it'd be great for BTN because Ohio State equals ratings. But with that being said, there's more money to be made with Ohio State playing on on the top tier channels: ABC, Fox, ESPN. To a lesser extent, FS1. But, you know, you really want to get them there on those big channels. One other thing that I've reported as well is I believe that, you know, let's say Penn State is that primetime game. I have no reason to doubt that. None whatsoever. That one I truly believe. I believe they will play at least one more primetime game. Now, people will be like, well, what about the rule that you can't play primetime games in 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 November or December well you know December's never really been an issue so let's just talk about November here I believe they will play one and if I believe that's going to be the case I believe that the the league is just going to have to deal with those types of situations we I mean the 2020 man it, uh, things are just different and I just think it's going to be a case of where that's going to have to happen now as for which game not sure yet I mean I have some ideas I have some ideas as I told everybody at Buckeye Grove I wasn't going to come onto the podcast and throw out things there that I wasn't going to post on the board we're going to have to wait and see at this point but I have a pretty good idea of where it's going to be and what it's going to be but I digress we'll get to that at another time another place i may say something over on buckeye grove after we're done recording i don't know we'll figure it out but it's great to know that the big 10 season less than two weeks away people are are planning their own little personal socially distanced tailgates maybe trying to find a bar to go to with it being a noon game the nebraska game being a noon game the 10 p.m bar rule doesn't come into effect have a couple drinks a couple friends it feels good the weather's changed outside it's definitely fall weather here in central ohio now leaves are changing 
life is is returning to normal to a certain extent, at least in terms of the world of sports. But as 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 we can't talk about the Big Ten in terms of action yet at this point because they haven't started. Other conferences are playing, and there were some pretty incredible games that went on this this past weekend. The first one I want to talk about is Texas A&M and Florida. A top 25 matchup, Florida number four, A&M I believe was 21. A&M bested the Gators, 41-38 at Kyle Field. And you can't put this loss on the arm or at the feet of Kyle Trask, Florida's quarterback. 22 of 32, 312, four touchdowns. He looked good. He wasn't he wasn't perfect. I mean, 10 incompletions there, but it's not like he was sub 50% or anything like that. He played well. His counterpart, Kellen Mond for the Aggies, 25 of 35, 338, three touchdowns. He played very well too. The one of the big differences was that the Gators could not run the ball. 90 yards, 24 carries, whereas AM ran it. 205 on 38 carries and had a couple of scores. When I was looking at this season, I guess I fell into the trap of thinking this was going to be a Gators team of old. Tremendous defense, pedestrian offense. Well, maybe we should have flipped that around. Their defense has not been very good, while their offense has been pretty solid. You look at a win against an Ole Miss team that played Pretty well against Alabama this week. We'll get into that game in a minute. The the Gator defense just has not been able to shut anybody down. But is is that a case of that defenses are just that far behind offenses this year? Are the Gators do the Gators just not have a good plan? Do they not have the right personnel? Are they just you know are they depleted from last year? I don't know. But the Gators were winning thirty eight thirty one. Six minutes and change is when, when the Gators went up. It took A&M less than two minutes or so for Kellen Mond to find Caleb Chapman for a 51-yard touchdown. Ties it up at 38. Florida unable to do anything. Aggies get the ball back. Gators can't stop them. Texas A&M chews the clock all the way until the end of the game. Kicks a 26-yard field goal. Time expires. Florida had an 87.2% chance of winning the game, win probability, after it scored its touchdown. Went up to like 87.5 after AM's first play was for negative yardage. Gators just couldn't get it done. And, you know, they fall from number four. We'll talk about the AP rankings here on the other side of the break. But AM with a big win. SEC seems to be kind of all over the board. And we'll get back to that conference in a minute because I want to talk about uh, the Red River showdown. 53-45 OU, four overtimes. The best bad game that I've seen in a couple years. Teams combined for six turnovers, three apiece. OU was up 31-17 at the end of three quarters. Texas looked like it was dead and done. But, you know, to Texas's credit, they have been a fourth-quarter team. They came roaring back, really, in the last four minutes of the game to force overtime. Rat- Spencer Rattler for OU did not have a good start of the game. He actually ended up riding the pine as a message was being sent. 
because he just was not right. Just turnover prone, didn't have it. But, you know, overall, 23 of 35, 209, three touchdowns a pick. He was really outplayed by Sam Ellinger. But really for the Horns, they only had Sam Ellinger. That was the problem. 30 of 53, 287, two touchdowns, two picks. But more impressive, what he did on the ground. 23 carries for a buck 12 and four touchdowns. At the end, you knew it was going to Sam Ellinger. You knew he was going to call his own number. He was going to take care of what he needed to. To OU's credit, they really, you know, the Sooners really looked like they were on the mat once the once the heel or the, the horns wrestled momentum away. But OU seemed to have an answer every single time down the stretch once we got into the overtimes. And ultimately, Texas's final prayer wasn't answered. And now you're sitting there and you're looking at OU and Texas both sitting with a pair of losses. Oklahoma State, I know we've talked about it before, the lone undefeated. They will stay undefeated this week because uh, the Cowboys game against uh, the Baylor Bears has been postponed. Baylor's been an absolute mess this year in terms of uh, COVID testing. So, you know, to kind of rehash what Urban Meyer said on the Fox uh, kickoff show, Big 12's done. They're done. I, I don't care if Oklahoma State runs the table, which it's not. It's not going to run the table. It's just not. Big 12's done. There's just no chance that they get in the in the playoff. And I know, okay, Kevin, they haven't lost any games, and you've said if a Power 5 team runs the table, they're in. Sure. Oklahoma State is not going to do that. It was either going to be Texas or Oklahoma. Both are sitting with two losses. It It's just not going to happen. Uh, you know, getting back to the SEC and talking about a former Big 12 team, Missouri 45, LSU 41. The defending national champions are now unranked. LSU has looked pretty bad this year. Miles Brennan... Their quarterback, their replacement for Joe Burrow, 29 of 48, 430, four touchdowns. But that was all they had. The team ran for 49 yards on 20 carries. 49 yards. You know, Clyde Edwards Hilaire isn't walking through that door. I've talked to a lot of LSU fans. They're like, oh, we have three great backs. Well, Missouri held you to no great backs. You had nothing going. Missouri, on the other hand, threw for 406 yards, ran for 180 yards. But even with all of that, once again, back to a familiar theme, LSU would take the lead at the end of the third, 41-38. It just kind of had that feeling like LSU was going to screw around and screw around and screw around and finally wake up and win the game. Back to that old uh, win percentage, uh, you know, favorability or or, or, or whatnot. 80, 87% favorite to win in the fourth quarter. But Missouri would not be denied. At, and this was a game that was played in Como. That was played in Columbia, Missouri. It was supposed to be played in Baton Rouge. It was moved because of Hurricane Delta. Uh, LSU was still the home team, for what that's worth. But it was played in Missouri. Missouri would hit a hit a five yard touchdown with about five minutes left to go. 
And that was Missouri's first lead since 7 nothing. And once again, LSU just didn't have an answer. Didn't have an answer. And Ed Orgeron, after the game, said all the right things. Oh, you know, we're it's broken. We got to get it fixed. You know, a familiar name around here, Bo Pelini is the D.C. at LSU. He's probably not sleeping well right now. Gave up a pretty cush job to go down there, a homecoming to LSU. I I understand that LSU lost, like, everybody. Like, everybody from last year's team. I get it. I also understand that I said before this season that they weren't going to be very good. That they were like a 6-3 and three type of team. I don't know. I, I don't remember. what. Maybe the SEC is playing 10. I don't know. 7-3, and 6-4 and four type of team. I didn't think we would see the demise happening this quickly. And to the teams that LSU is losing to, there are still some big boys on that schedule. This this could be a sub-500 team. It, there, it's just going to be a long season in Baton Rouge. And while Ed Orgeron has earned himself a bit of a reprieve from some of the critics after hoisting the, the golden leg trophy at the end of the last season. There were a lot of people that weren't really sold on him before that. And it's not going to take long for them to turn on him again. So if LSU isn't able to figure something out, I don't know. I don't know what I, I don't know what's going to happen there, but I will say this LSU certainly is showing that it is quite mortal. And here's what the next four weeks look like for the Tigers. At Florida, that could be a loss. Home against South Carolina. Well, not that Mississippi State or Missouri have been juggernauts. South Carolina's been pretty bad. But, you know, let's just give them a win there. At Auburn, who's still ranked, and we'll talk about Auburn here in a minute. minute. And then home against Alabama. They could lose three of those four games. That would be five losses right there. They'd be sitting at five losses there and still would have at Arkansas, at Texas A&M, and then home against Ole Miss. And Ole Miss has shown that it can put up points. It can't play a lick of defense, but it can put up points. Now, on to the next game. Speaking of Ole Miss... That was a fun game to watch. Alabama versus Ole Miss. 63-48. Alabama's offense pretty good. Alabama's defense, I don't know. Did Lane Kiffin, did he have all their signs? Nick Saban seems to think so. Or did he just have the right answer? Or was that defense just not as good as it's been in years past? Ole Miss had 647 yards of total offense. Alabama had 723. (laughs) <laughs> Excuse me. Ole Miss rushed for 268, threw for about 380. This was a one-score game, back and forth, back and forth, like a tennis match through most of the game. It, I, I was watching it, and I kept telling people who were with me, I said, Ole Miss has to get a stop. They have to They have to get a service break here. Never never happened. Not down. Not in the second half. Really, it was Ole Miss that had their serve broken when they had to settle for a 39-yard Luke Logan field goal. 
Bama, of course, marched right down the field in four minutes, scored another touchdown to go up 11. That ends up being a two-score game. You need an eight and a three. Ole Miss started coming back down the field and had to settle for a field goal with about 90 seconds left. Ole Miss attempted its second onside kick. They tried one earlier. Looked like it was executed pretty well, at least designed pretty well. But at the end of the day, the the kicker ended up touching it before 10 yards, and they, it, it didn't end up working. That would have probably have been the play to hold until that point and execute it correctly. That's a lot of bit, a lot of ifs. I get it. That's a lot of ifs. But the second onside kick really didn't work. Ole Miss still had a chance. Still had a chance. Got it down. Used used timeouts. Whatnot. Needed to get a big. I, I believe it was a third down stop. Couldn't get it. Najee Harris ends up taking it thirty nine yards on the house call. Najee Harris, former Ohio State commit, or I'm sorry, recruit, not a commit. I don't want to start any rumors there. Recruit, 206, five touchdowns. DJ Durkin, the former Maryland head coach, is is either the DC or the co-DC at Ole Miss. Another person who probably didn't have a very good uh, restful night of sleep after that. Ole Miss is just not able to stop anybody on defense at all. I mean, it has been it has been a mess. You look at you know they they give up fifty one to Florida, they give up forty one to UK, they give up sixty three to Alabama. I'm no math major, but that's averaging a crap ton of points allowed. On the flip side, they scored thirty five against Florida, forty two against UK, and forty eight against Alabama. They're a fun team to watch. But if they played any defense, any defense, they might not be sitting one and two. I don't know. And then if you're Alabama, you got to be a little bit concerned again. You just chalk that up as a bad game. You, I, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do at that point. But you look at them, and they, they gave up 19 to Missouri. That's fine. 24 to A&M, and then 48 to Ole Miss. And then the next two games are Georgia and Tennessee. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what comes out of that. Uh, a couple other games that I want to mention. Clemson 42, Miami 17. That game went about as expected. Miami not quite ready for prime time yet. Derek King still fun to watch, but Clemson is real good. Real good. Uh, UGA 44, Tennessee 21. Tennessee not quite ready for prime time either. Georgia Played a lot better. I'm still not. I'm still not sold on Bennett at quarterback. But how do you pull him at this point? You can't pull him until there is reason to. And it wasn't like he had a horrible game there. I mean, didn't have a great game. Threw for two thirty eight, two touchdowns. But you know, at the end of the day, they just couldn't make enough plays. UGA scores twenty seven points in the uh, in this in the second half after trailing at halftime twenty one seventeen. You got to show up. You got to play all. It's a four quarter game, and they just couldn't do it. Uh, Notre Dame forty two, Florida State twenty six, in a game that was a lot closer than it really needed to be. You have to give Florida State some credit for playing well. 
you have to also chastise Notre Dame for not playing well. Yes, it was a, you know, they ended up winning by what, 16 points. I mean, that's all well and good. But this is a type of game that you would have really expected Notre Dame to just completely boat race them. And it didn't necessarily happen. At, it, it, when it mattered, they, you know, Notre Dame was able to outclass them. Things aren't going to get any easier for Florida State. North Carolina up next. A top five North Carolina team. I don't know if I'm buying that, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Then finally, I want to get to this, before our break, I want to get to this Auburn-Arkansas game. Auburn ends up winning 30-28. to Controversial. Arkansas is up 28-27 in the closing moments. Bo Nix ends up getting flagged for an intentional grounding as he, just on this weird spike play, but it wasn't a forward spike or even a lateral spike. He spiked the ball backward. The ball went backward like six yards by the time it was all said and done. He gets hit for grounding, which at that point is a spot foul and loss of down. But loss of down is, is deceptive because all it means is that the down counted. It's not like you lose an additional down. You just... It's just like, all right, well, the play happens a spot foul. So it was like a one-yard penalty with no other consequence. It should have been a fumble. It is a fumble. There was a clear recovery by Arkansas, and everybody saw that except the SEC replay booth. And we know about the SEC replay booth. It was the SEC replay booth that took a defensive touchdown away from Ohio State against Clemson. SEC officiating officially now is worse officiating than the Pac-12. And that's saying a lot. Pac-12 officiating, and I may feel differently come November once the Pac-12 gets out there. There may be a recency bias there. Pac-12 officiating has been pretty horrible, but SEC officiating has been worse. And then they come out with this nothing burger statement, which basically, if you read between the lines, says, well, maybe we screwed up, but tough luck. And I've got the I've got it in front of me, and I won't get into all of the points of it. But during the third down play at the at 30 seconds left in the fourth quarter, the officials on the field sounded their whistles and blew the play dead as they deemed the passer illegally grounded the ball to conserve time, as governed by Rule 732F. I guess I will read the whole thing. During the subsequent replay review, there is conclusive video evidence that the pass was backwards. Yes. However. Because recovery of the football was not clearly made in the, and this is bolded, immediate continuing football action, the ruling on the field was determined to stand under Rule 1232E1. Both the determination of a backward pass and the immediate clear recovery are required to reverse a ruling on the field under 1232E1. Now, I DVR'd it back, and... An Arkansas player got on it pretty quickly. Obviously not quickly enough. When we have a situation to where the officials sit on their whistles and allow things to happen to the point of where, you know, if it is it a fumble, not a fumble, we're going to let we're going to let it happen, then we're going to blow our whistle and then we're going to see then we'll huddle and talk about it. This was the quickest of whistles. Arkansas got screwed. They really got screwed in this game. 
and it meant everything because then Auburn kicks a field goal and wins the game. And to a lot of Auburn fans' credit, they're they're pissed off too. Yeah, yeah, we won, but we should have lost. And we got you know we we were the beneficiary of some horrible officiating. And then you have Arkansas, who was fresh on the heels of beating Mississippi State, the team that beat LSU. Granted, the LSU win doesn't look like much anymore. Arkansas could be on a two-game winning streak after not winning a SEC game in its previous 20 tries or 21 or something like that. And now they have to look at how do how do we bounce back after that? I mean, that's that's one of those gut-wrenching type of losses that it's kind of hard to bounce back from. So I will be interested to see what happens. And then Arkansas, what do they get for their their trouble? They get to go up against point-a-minute Ole Miss. But the good news is Ole Miss has been given up about a point a minute too. So that should be a fun game to watch. And speaking of Mississippi State briefly too, while while I have them there, uh, the Mike Leach era got off to a great start and now not so much as uh, Mississippi State just dropped a 24-2 game to Kentucky. And that's not saying, oh, you lost to Kentucky, You're, you suck. Kentucky... That is their first win. But I think it's a matter of KJ Costello throwing four picks and then getting benched to Brian Will Rogers, who then threw two picks of his own. Six interceptions by Kentucky of Mississippi State. No passing touchdowns. Mississippi State ran for 20 yards. 1.4 yards per carry. Eh, I don't know. doesn't look like the team that beat LSU. But we'll get into the AP poll here on the other side of this quick break. Egg Water Conditioning has been treating well and city water in central Ohio with American-made water filtration products for over 60 years. Have a water quality problem? The water treatment experts at Hague know how to solve it. Not sure if your water softener is working? They will test, inspect, and sanitize any brand of water softener for only $20. Schedule a system checkup or water test today by calling 614-836-2195 or visit them online at HagueH2O.com. That's H-A-G-U-E-H2O.com. Thanks for joining us here on the BIA Podcast. I am your host, Kevin Noon. We're going to talk about the AP poll and get out of here. Um, Ohio State still remains sixth. Uh, moved up to fifth in the coaches poll, but uh, we like to talk about the AP poll a little bit more, just mostly because you can go to collegepolltracker.com and see a detailed accounting of all the votes. Coaches, you don't see their votes until the final vote. So a little more fun talking about this. Ohio State remains sixth despite Florida losing ahead of them. And that's fine. I think you can live with that. Ohio State loses its two first place votes, though. Again, that's fine. Wait till Ohio State starts playing, and we'll see how Ohio State stacks up against other teams. A couple of issues that I do have, though. First one is I am not convinced that North Carolina is the number five team in the country at all. And I think I think with that, you have to kind of put to begin with, what is, you know, what is your definition of how the poll works? I mean, should it be that you're saying that if a team is ranked higher than another team, that if they meet on a neutral field, that the higher ranked team should win? Because I'm looking at the UNC schedule. Wins against Syracuse, Boston College, and then against a ranked Virginia Tech team. 
Also, a Virginia Tech team that's been down a lot of players due to COVID testing. Oh, and there was a canceled game against Charlotte. They haven't really done anything against anybody. They have, I mean, they haven't played Notre Dame yet. They haven't played Clemson. They don't have Clemson on their regular schedule. I mean, hell, they haven't even played Miami yet. So I'm not, I'm not sure about that. You give me Ohio State and North Carolina playing, I don't know, in Kansas City on a, on a neutral field. Put them at Arrowhead. I like Ohio State to win that game by three scores. I really do. But, you know, it is what it is. Then I have a problem with Georgia getting a first-place vote that it didn't have last week. That win against Tennessee means nothing to me. Nothing. Okay, great. Tennessee was ranked. Big deal. Who cares? That Tennessee team was smoke and mirrors to me all along. But then again, the voters really seemed to like Tennessee because Tennessee only fell from 14 to 18. So I don't know. I don't know. I, it, it's easy for me to sit there and say, oh, SEC bias, whatever. I just, I just don't see it with Georgia. And I, the good news is, is that we're going to, we're going to learn a lot about Georgia here in a big hurry as Georgia has to play Alabama this week, three versus two. But I want to say this too. Alabama has two first place votes. Did that Alabama team that gave up 11 million yards to Ole Miss look like it was the, the number one team in the country? Not to me, it didn't. Not to me. Honestly, I'm shocked that Clemson didn't have all the first place votes. And yes, I know I've been a big critic of Miami. I, oh, they're not ready. They're not ready. But Clemson just did not screw around. Clemson went out there and did what it needed to do. I mean, yes, Clemson could have beat them worse. Dabo Swinney made one of the most ridiculous coaching decisions I've seen in a while, trying to go for a 60-plus yard uh, field goal at the end of the half, gets blocked, returned for a touchdown. He owned it at that point. So you take that off the board, Miami scores 10 points. Now, you can sit there and say Clemson got off to a bit of a slow start, only scoring seven in the first quarter, but this game was never really in jeopardy. I mean, it was 14-0, it was 21-3, it was 35-10. I mean, you just keep going on. It just, they, they kept their foot on the gas the whole time. So, I don't know. I, I, think, I think Clemson should have all the first-place votes. Um, but no, it, it doesn't really matter. The, the truth is, is that if you're a Big Ten fan, you're an Ohio State fan, you're really looking for week two of that Ohio State schedule. Halloween night. We talked about it earlier. 7.30, ABC. Number six, and these are of these rankings right now. Number six, Ohio State. Number nine, Penn State. At that point, we will know a lot about how the Big Ten East and how the Big Ten is going to look. So it, it'll, it'll be interesting. And you know what I want to see, and I'll end the show on this, and I talked about it on the uh, before the break. Our, def- our defense is really that far behind? I mean, is, is that really what we're kind of seeing right now? I'm, you know, I'm, I'm pulling up as we're talking. I'm looking at scoring defenses. Normally, a couple of games into the season, you're going to still see teams that are averaging, you know, three points, you know, with a couple of shutouts in there. 
your your number one team in in scoring defense is Marshall, averaging seven. Air Force Academy as well has given up seven, but they've only played one game. To find your first Power Five team in there would be number six, or I'm sorry, tied for fifth, Georgia, who's averaging twelve point three points allowed. You got uh, Notre Dame at thirteen, Clemson at thirteen point three, Pitt who is the first, you know, first team there that has five games, 18.2, WVU at 19.3. I mean, you're seeing a lot of points being given up at this point. And then conversely, you know, you go, you flip that around and, and we pull up, you know, our, our scoring offenses. Alabama is averaging 51. Texas 49 and a half. Uh, you got to figure Ole Miss is up there, 41.7 as uh, at 11. Clemson, 42.3. It'll be interesting to see what happens in the Big Ten when that conference starts playing. If we're going to see that too, and we're going to see a lot more in the in the, in the the vein of 49-24 games versus 27-3 games. It'll be interesting. And Ohio State will be, will be tested against this Nebraska team. Adrian Martinez is able to figure some things out. If a running back's able to emerge, it could be a fun game. I like Ohio State still to win that one by a couple scores, but there's always next week to talk about that one. So I'm going to wrap this show up. I want to thank you all for listening to me flying solo on this edition of the BIA podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Kevin Noon. Be sure to check us out at BuckeyeGrove.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at Kevin underscore Noon, and you can hear the BIA podcast Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Thanks a lot for listening, and we will talk to you very soon. Be sure to stay up to date with Buckeye Grove Instant Access when the news breaks or after the big game. Exclusively at BuckeyeGrove.com or anytime on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher as part of the Unscripted Ohio Podcast Network. Hit that subscribe button so you can stay in the know and never miss a single episode. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.